Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, everybody. This is Sandy. I am the founder and chief love officer at Last First Date. And I want to thank you for joining us here today at Last First Date Radio. We are a show about achieving healthy, off-the-charts love in the second half of life. We have a really wonderful show coming up for you today. I am going to be speaking with author Sherry Ragland about the seven deep insecurities that men don't want women to know. Um, Sherry also helps people with relationship struggles And I'm really excited about this topic because I think that men and women really don't understand each other very well for the most part. And I am almost done teaching a communications course that I teach um, about twice a year about how to talk to men so men will listen and listen so men will talk. And it's geared to women to help them understand men better, help them understand and express their feelings and needs. And I just feel like this is such an important thing. We we have to have these dialogues to help help grow healthy relationships, help foster creative uh, and create healthy relationships. So I'm very excited to talk to Sherry in just a few minutes. Um, just wanted to quickly tell you that if you haven't yet grabbed a copy of my free guide, that's available on my website. It is um, it's my just my honor to give this to you. It is um, it's a comprehensive guide as to the top mistakes that midlife daters make and how you can turn them around to find love. I include specific actions that you can take to turn your life around. Um, And we we make mistakes and we don't even realize it. I mean, I made tons of them. And I love sharing the ones that I made so that you don't have to make the same mistakes. Maybe you're making them already because you just don't have the right information. So um, when you know better, you do better. And that's why I would love for you to have this uh, free guide. It's called The Top Three Mistakes That Midlife Daters Make and How to Turn Them Around So You Can Find Lasting Love. Just go to lastfirstdate.com and you can sign up right on my homepage. I also want to invite anyone who is single and over 40 and female to my Facebook group. This is a growing group with over 400 members. It's called Your Last First Date. That's Your Last First Date. And... um, I just have to approve your request to join, but this is a private secret group where the um, the members all come to share their struggles and their challenge their challenges, but also their triumphs. The ones who are in relationships, the ones who have struggled but now are dating somebody amazing. Um, it is a place to come for good, solid advice, and I frequent the site quite often. Um, so you get my two cents, um, and you get the support of amazing, wonderful women that I handpick because I don't allow every single person into the group. I also want to give a shout-out to our sponsor, Audible. Audible is a wonderful resource for 
books on tape. And if you are a person like me who's constantly on the move and you don't have a lot of time to read, what better way than to get your books on a recording um, and listen to them as you work out, as you're in the car. I mean, when I take long trips, I love listening to a book on tape. So if you are interested and have never been a member of Audible, try it out for a month. You get a free month and a free book, a free audio book, by going to audibletrial.com forward slash last first date. That's audibletrial.com forward slash last first date. And now our special guest, Sherry Ragland. She is the founder and CEO of Buzz About Relationships, LLC, which engages couples with current information, facts, articles, blogs, and trivia about relationships. Curiosity has led her on a fact-finding journey to gain more insight on relationships through research, interviews, focus groups, and informal discussions with friends, family, and colleagues. Raglan recently earned a doctorate degree in public policy and public administration, and she lives with her husband in the Bronx in New York, which is where my mother lives. Welcome to the show, Sherry. Hi. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Yeah, my mom lives right near you, so um, I'm in the Bronx quite a bit. Um, I'm, I'm right in Connecticut, about 40 minutes away. So it's nice oh, to speak nice. to somebody in the same time zone, <laughs> in the same coast. <laughs> I yeah, speak to people sure. all over. Um, so this topic of insecurities that men have, um, let's get right to it. What are these seven insecurities about men that you discovered in your research? Negative thoughts, manhood, uh, the lack of open-mindedness, low self-esteem, making less than your partner, performance issues, and pride. Okay, so can you go through that one more time because that was fast. (laughs) Yeah, negative thoughts, manhood, lack of open-mindedness, low self-esteem, making less than your partner, performance issues, and pride. Okay. Um, And... Let's let's go into well before we get into what each one is. Um, what causes these insecurities, according to the research that you found? I guess you can of go course. through different ones. Yeah, and, let me just give you a little bit different. of a background. As you know, um, our environment plays a tremendous role in how we learn and how we adapt to our environment. And based on the research, um, it's called maladaptive thinking. You learn certain uh, thoughts and how to interpret those thoughts based on your environment, which means how your mother treated you, how your father treated you, whether or not you had parents, um, whether or not your relationship was great with your parents or abusive and so forth and so on. And then by the time you're around 12-ish, I would say, you begin to internalize these behaviors. And, of course, boys and girls kind of um, behave differently in terms of these behaviors. And then your beliefs beliefs and values are interpreted in such a way that you respond 
to these behaviors. And if they're negative behaviors, then, you know, you respond the way you've learned based on your background. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, um, I I get emails from people from all around the world, and I see the difference in cultures. Um, mm-hmm. For example, women in India are raised very differently than women in the United States and Absolutely. in terms of relationships, right? So um, they're often like in a state of arrested development. Um, I've seen mm-hmm. this in many cases where they're dating like they're 12, and they kind of get stuck there. Um right. So I think a lot of people get stuck around this age 12. Like they never really learn how to have a mature relationship. Right. Um, so if you can share a little bit, and in the book you give us the story of your husband mm-hmm. and how he grew up and how that influenced um, his relationship. So if you can briefly tell us um, what happened to him. Yeah, my husband... Um grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, and um, he had uh, three sisters and one brother, and very poor. His father wasn't around, and his mother uh, was very abusive mentally and physically. And um, that around, I would say around um, his teenage years, early teenage years, even though he had a very happy childhood, didn't really understand um what it wasn't, what happiness wasn't, more or less he was just a happy child. As he began to move into his teenage years, you know, there are changes within young people, and they want to do what, they, what they'd like to do. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so his mom pretty much um, tried to control his behavior and prevent him from, you know, exploring, and she used mental and physical abuse, and he began to internalize that into anger. And by the time he was a young man, he had all kinds of problems with relationships. And I don't just mean with girlfriends, but family members, friends, and that's when that that thinking, that negative thinking starts to guide, started to guide his behavior. And he responded based on how he grew up because he had a very rough childhood and living in a poor area meant that you had to fight for your respect and defend yourself and that behavior just carried on throughout his young adult life and his relationships began to fail. Now I'm talking about girlfriends. And he also began to receive feedback from people and he didn't believe it. His pride kind of overrode that and he said, well, my thinking's not sharper than theirs so this you know, I, I, I'm not going to believe what they say. Until one relationship failed after another, he started to see there's something wrong. They all can't be saying <laughs> the same thing and be wrong. So mm-hmm. he to take a good look at himself and, you know, realize that there's some changes that had to be made. And first that's that point of awareness and then moving into, okay, I can't deny this anymore. It's reality my Mm -hmm. relationships aren't working. I've got to do something different about this. And that's when I would say in his uh, young adulthood, yeah, he began to make changes. Um, And he knew it started with his thinking. And so with the thinking, he began to um, 
you know, uh, think about uh, the course of direction of his life and where he wanted to go and try to improve in his relationships and uh, build healthier ones by uh, just changing that thought pattern that when in return changes behaviors. Mm-hmm. Our so, thoughts definitely mm-hmm. control our behaviors. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, even though, you know, he had challenges with that because change doesn't come, uh, you know, so quickly. It takes time. And it was well into his, um, let's see, I would say in his maybe late 30s, 40s, he started to really uh, see some change because of his thinking. It just took some time and persistence. And today we have a really amazing relationship, and we're still learning. Don't get me wrong, but some of the things that we've learned is we've learned how to listen to each other and that wonderful art of communication, fair communication that is respectful and that considers open-mindedness allowed us to be able to move forward on things and, and to let go of the past and to focus on the future are some of the things that we do because we believe investing in a long-term relationship. So. Mm. so when you met him, was he at this more evolved state or did you oh, help him along? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think what we were having this discussion in my Facebook group about this ideal man that a lot of women would love to meet, and he's an open-minded guy who can communicate well, and um, he knows himself, he likes himself, and I think one of the one of the the hazards is that we expect this man to show up all fully cooked and <laughs> ready to right. rock and roll and not have any real problems and, you know, not have any major baggage. And we all have baggage. And I think exactly. that a woman, so it's the willingness to work through things together. And that's what I was kind mm-hmm. of talking about today in the group because I think that we have to be realistic about people. And we also want people to... Um, be compassionate about our process. I mean, I think exactly. we all, you know, right? So we all are a work mm-hmm. in progress. Um, <laughs> but it sounds like you you really were open to helping him. Oh, um, so let's talk. Yeah, mm-hmm. and what you mentioned, the, the communication, the listening, the respect, open-mindedness, that's just all crucial to a healthy relationship. And both parties have to be willing to put the time and effort in. Um, so let's talk about some strategies um, that you have uh, used or suggest to help men overcome their insecurities. And well, you can take, one you know, is, one or two or, you know. Yeah, one of the key ones is, it's number one, to recognize that you have problems. In a relationship, I think one thing that is very healthy is in building the trust, you're able to communicate and discuss things with your partner openly. That's your insecurities. And I think that's what has really helped us in our relationship is the fact that my husband is very open to communicating about his feelings. He's not closed-minded about it, and then it helps me to understand him as a man. Mm -hmm. Um, So the key is to talk about it, to listen, and to discuss those issues, and then kind of plan what can be done about them? So, 
that way you're mm-hmm. both taking accountability for what happens in that relationship, and it's not just one-sided. So you're brainstorming together about a solution. Yeah. You can, I mean, you can brainstorm. It's strategy planning in terms of it all mm-hmm. depends on, you know, what insecurity it is. But the first step is to recognize that you haven't talked about it with your partner. Mm-hmm. And then you can brainstorm and plan around that um, depending on mm-hmm. what the insecurity is. Yeah, so the communication, and you mentioned it in the book, um, how important mm-hmm. it is. Um, so sitting down and talking, and, like, do you have any other communication tools that you would like to share? The only com- – I'm working on a course now, but I have podcasts that are out. But in terms of um, communication, it's really what I use are my blogs to kind of write or focus on strategies in order to address, like, conflict, um, de-escalation, which is a great strategy, but, you know, calm calm discussions (laughs) that you should have whenever you sit down to um, discuss anything. So I would say check out the website, which is um, busboutrelationships.com for Mm -hmm. tips and tools. Well, can you share one, like, way to calm down right now, like a way to, like, kind of de-escalate if somebody's in the heat of the moment? Any quick suggestion? Yes. Um, It's best not to talk. Uh, You just walk away. Walk away and then decide later on when, when you're calm and not to accuse or blame. Just say, listen, we have something we need to discuss. It should be we. And the terminology you use makes all the difference in the world, but it's better to just wait and hold off until you're both calm, then find a time and discuss it in a we mode that doesn't point, where you don't point fingers, you don't blame, you don't criticize or bring up the past. You focus on the solution that moves you forward and think about the mm-hmm. root cause. So that's my suggestion Okay, those are all great. I just want to clarify one little piece, if I may. Um, You mentioned to just walk away. um, And so that can be, I'm not sure what you meant by that, because that that right away I was thinking of stonewalling when somebody's in the middle of a conversation and they just walk away. Do you suggest that people say something like, I'm too upset right now to talk or to just, that's, that's fine, but still, I, I don't feel like that conversation needs to go any further if one's heated and one's not. And stonewalling is, it's very, it's a very hardcore behavior that makes it, it makes the conversation feel as if you're not going to finish it. But you can always say, okay, listen, let's just finish this later. We we need to talk later. Because mm-hmm. I've done that. And um that's a tipping point before you just abruptly say or just abruptly walk away, but you can just say, hey, we got to finish this when you calm down because this is not working. And I've often said, this is not working right now, so let's just talk about this later. And it takes one person to do that. That's all it takes. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. Don't have a discussion when you're heated. And I, I was just taking a walk with a friend recently, and her daughter called as she was on her way out of the house. And she brought up a high-trigger topic about mm-hmm. money. And mm-hmm. I heard my friend through the door, because I was standing outside, her voice just kept going up 
and up and up. And I was just like, oh, my God, who is she talking to? Because she is so angry right now. And I was, like, dying to tell her that she shouldn't talk when she's angry, but she didn't ask Mm -hmm. for my opinion. Um, So (laughs) I have Mm -hmm. to be careful not to impose. But it is, it's just not effective. And you actually are disempowered when you speak in that way. You are. Um, You're disempowered. Yeah, so let's let's talk about those insecurities now. I would love to go back and um and just to go a little deeper into what each one you know, just say a little bit more about each one. So let's start with negative mm-hmm. thoughts. Well negative um, thoughts so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Negative thoughts are those thoughts that are developed and like I said in your childhood that are incorrect ways of thinking about how to respond to things, and those are internalized into bad behaviors. And they can be negative codependent behaviors that often find themselves into relationships when you haven't addressed those issues and they create more issues in that relationship because they haven't been dealt with. And they lead Mm -hmm. to bad behaviors. Okay. Um, Yes. And so in terms of manhood, and I have to say, manhood is probably one of my, second to negative thinking, is one of my favorite areas because I'm starting to learn more about the dynamics of a man based on um, the trichotomy or his, you know, mind, uh, emotional or mental state as well as the spiritual and the body because men learn, as well as women, behaviors. And those behaviors, whether they become their values, beliefs, based on past experiences, cause them to respond a certain way in a relationship. Now, they're going to do one of three things. They're going to respond as they need to through adapting. They're going to run the opposite way. Or they're going to behave in a way that they're used to behaving, which may not be good. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's manhood. And lack of open-mindedness, which I, it, it still stems from negative thinking. Most of these, which you'll find, stems from negative thinking. That's the culprit behind most of these. And the lack of open-mindedness means you're just not willing to not only listen, but embrace your partner's difference in thinking. It means you are acting on pride and you would prefer to use your thinking to rule a relationship. That that's basically mm-hmm. it's a form of control. Really. It can become a form of control. Yeah. Yeah. And then the low self esteem could be any one of these insecurities that kind of um rear its you know, rears its ugly head and um you know, your thinking or what how you've been raised as a child will often come through in your self-esteem or past experiences will happen and help develop your psyche in terms of how you feel about yourself. And it all depends on what the dynamics were in the household. Abuse can lead to low self-esteem, that you don't value yourself or your thinking or who you are because maybe confusion of identity. Or, And when I say identity, I mean mentally how you're supposed to behave in terms of uh, your role in relationships, and that's family, um, girlfriend, marriage, what have you, even working. So, um, interestingly enough, that too stems from negative thinking. 
And then making less than your partner. I, there's a lot of role shifting today where I'm seeing more men stay at home and women are out <laughs> making mm-hmm. the money and bringing it home. And it's interesting to see that um, with this role shift, for some people, it can create an identity crisis. Um, it's quite interesting because you no longer serving in the role the way you need to and you may have a hard time adapting and this can challenge the manhood (laughs) yeah well i can tell you that in at this age because i i coach women over 40 who are dating usually after divorce or loss and there's a lot of confusion about who pays on a date Mm -hmm. um, who takes the lead who sends the first email on online dating you know, in many ways, we have made incredible inroads. Women have achieved equal rights in the workforce. And um, when it comes to relationships, I still believe that we are so hardwired to right. um, back to the old, you know, hunter-gatherer days. <laughs> and, you know, and, and like you said, you know, men men and women's brains really are different. We function differently and we're not the same. You know, we can we can earn similar pay but we're not exactly the same. And so I think right. it's it's even broader than somebody who's shifting roles in terms of earning. Um my clients are independent, strong women who have the means to pay for a date. Mm-hmm. And there was a there was a thread on Facebook the other day where a woman said I never would allow a man to pay for me. I mean, I have money. I mean, she was so angry. <laughs> and I was just like, wow, um, you know, maybe that's working for her. I don't know. But right. I think a lot of men feel emasculated by women who mm-hmm. say, hey, I got this. You know, I'm taking care of this. And then women who have men who say, "I'll," you know, do you want to split the cost of the date? And they had coffee or a drink. They get resentful, even though they have the money. It's just such a confusing (laughs) world we live in today, right? (laughs) And I think things are shifting. Um, They definitely are. Yeah. Okay. So let's go to pride. Is that the next one? No, performance issues. Performance issues. Yes. When I did the study, I found that most of the performance issues didn't occur with younger men. They were more or less with men over 50. So, Mm -hmm. um and and that can happen not just with men, but women go through menopause, so they change. Um, their desires change based on their their physical changes and the hormonal changes. And this is something where um, it, it can affect the manhood as well. So uh, I found that, like with older men, that it's it's much more prevalent. Mm-hmm. So do you have any suggestions uh, about what? what a man can do to feel more more in his manhood in no matter how what his performance is yeah they can talk about it. i mean there's more i mean arousal doesn't always have to be sexual it can be through touch stimulation i there's different ways that that can be handled mm-hmm. and i believe inti- intimacy is more than just sex oh yeah i really do For yeah sure. and and there's something you really have to talk about uh, with your partner, and I, mm-hmm. I believe there are so many options in terms of how to make it work and still continue to be intimate without it being necessarily sexual. So, mm-hmm. like I said, through touch and uh, different forms of stimulation, um, you can you can achieve it. Yeah, 
Yeah, for sure. All right, and pride. Oh, that Biggie. pride, that lovely pride, <laughs> which says I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And like I said, again, this one kind of stems from negative thinking back to manhood, where I believe that men feel like they are supposed to behave a certain way because of their mental as well as values, beliefs, cultural and experiences come into play and it kind of determines exactly how they perceive things as well as desire to control or manage things in a relationship mm-hmm. as well as with their own own self being. Mhm. So. Ah, it's a lot to take in. Um <laughs> So you've given us a great overview. Um, and um, so just in closing, if you can give everybody, like, one of the most important tips that you can share about having a successful relationship. The most important tip is to be able to communicate uh, with your partner or spouse about anything, even your insecurities, and to discuss it respectfully Calmly and openly. Hmm. Calmly, effectively, did you say? Yes, effectively, calmly, and openly. Yeah, couldn't agree more. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) Um, So thank you, Sherry, and tell everyone how they can find you. Yes, you can find me at uh, www.buzzaboutrelationships.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, and best of luck with the sale of your book and your relationship with your husband. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening in today, and I hope you all go on your last first date very soon. Bye-bye. Thank you.